Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MZ Car Guys Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. Uh, find us on social media, MZ Car Guys. Uh, you can find us on mzcarguys at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line. And uh, we are on uh, anchor.fm forward slash mzcarguys. So I think we're moving on from the U.S. continent to Little Island, aren't boys. we, Matt? We're going to Japan. We're going to Japan. This is something that Matt and I have uh, been anticipating for quite some time when we started uh, doing all of this. And uh, I, I, I think we got to start with. I think we got to start with Toyota. <clears throat> You kind of do, considering the Japanese market kind of started with Toyota themselves. Um, so what we're going to do here is a little bit different, um, but uh, still maintain kind of a chronology like we've been trying to. Um, and uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead and start us off with sort of how things began? Because honestly, I cannot remember how the company got started. I know it was the son, sorry, the father of Akio Toyota, the current CEO, started the whole thing. So uh, uh, take it yes. from there. So... There are two things we will not discuss in this podcast, and I know that it's weird. We will not discuss motorcycles, and we will not discuss bicycles. I know. Just go with me on this. So, but what we will discuss is farming and uh, looms, as in weaving looms. So, uh, Toyota started off as um, with, and, and please everyone forgive me, I'm going to do my best to pronounce these correctly, um, sa, Sakichi. Uh, Sakichi is Toyota. Now, first off, Toyota is not actually how their, their name is spelled. Their name is spelled Toyota with a D, but in the kanji, Toyota is only eight marks. It's only eight strokes, which is considered lucky, which is why you had Toyota and not Toyota, which is their last name. Anyways, so it started off with uh, Sakichi Toyota, um, and he was actually born um, in a, an agricultural area. But he was pretty freaking brilliant um, because he invented a uh, his his invention was actually quite remarkable in the in the thing that <clears throat> um, he he took a look at it uh, at at the uh, at the, the the weaving process and he invented a um, a. a uh, a mechanism that when there was a misfeed, it would actually shut the entire machine down. Now, I know that kind of sounds like a duh, but it wasn't. So what would happen was, is you would lose extra time, not only repairing whatever broke in the first place, but also having to repair, you know, fix anything that happened because of the fact. 
So it was very popular. He did very, very well. And so he invented, uh, so he started Toyota Automatic Loom Works uh, in, in, uh, in 1926. Um, and he, he, that kind of focused on industrialization and so forth and so on, kind of really uh, finished pushing uh, the Japanese into um, the, the, the true industrial revolution as part of it. And that would later have both good and bad <laughs> ramifications of things. Um, and so, uh, so he's kind of the, the father of all of it. Um, the one who would really kind of push it into overdrive, who would really establish uh, Toyota Motor Works um, is um, uh, Kichir. There, there's two eyes, so I don't know if there's something special with that, but I'm going to pronounce it Kichiro Toyota. Um, and he would uh, he would take over um, just in time for right right at the time he would establish Toyota um, uh, in, in 1933 and you know Toyota uh, hold on Dad, it. Uh, Toyota Motor Corporation apologies uh, Toyota Motor Corporation in 1933 uh, as a division of Toyota Automatic Loom Works. Um, and then he would, they would go on to uh, produce the vehicles such as the A1, uh, which is actually a really nice looking car. If you ever get a chance, it's very sleek lines and stuff. Um, and, uh, and, but they would also uh, begin to produce mainly trucks in 1935. Um, and that was to really start producing uh, military trucks for the Japanese because they were, if you remember your history, they were in China at the time overtaking China to really kind of expand on their, because they were really going through the Industrial Revolution. China really wasn't. China had a lot of uh, raw materials that Japan needed for their Industrial Revolution war machine. And so they just went and basically just got it. Right. That um, was uh, the same war that led to the rape of Nanking, but uh, we're not going to get into that today. Yeah, exactly. And and in reality, if you, <clears throat> as opposed to other, uh, other uh, manufacturers, Toyota was focused on really only um, producing trucks uh, for the military, light trucks and stuff like that. So they didn't really produce any actual war machines, uh, any like, you know, any like planes or anything like that. So it was, um, you know, so I, I, I there, and because of that, their their factories were not targeted. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, because of 
because they weren't really considered that integral, uh, one of their main factories, uh, which had been a couple times targeted, but then, you know, oh no, we need to look at something else. Uh, so the, uh, the, the allies never actually bombed any of their uh, manufacturing facilities. So you're referring to World War II bombing at this point, so we're kind of skipping ahead a bit. Is that right? Well, I was... I've, I've always been talking about World War II. <laughs> Fair enough. Moving on. Yes. So, yeah. And so then, so, so what that allowed them to do was, is that allowed them to, as opposed to having to do a bunch of rebuilding, uh, they were able to uh, jump right into production of, uh, of automobiles um, and really moving, uh, you know, moving ja- Japan out of the depression uh, that they that they encountered after World War II, and really kind of pushed them forward um, with a bunch of different things, and then in uh, in nineteen, uh, ba 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 um, so one of their first named vehicles, uh, and that was their first uh, introduction into sales in the United States. Uh, that would also introduce the uh, the Toyota R engine families, uh, which was an inline four cylinder uh, that was designed to be mounted longitudinally, um, and. Uh, <laughs> In, uh, in 1958, Roden Tract, uh, Roden Tract magazine uh, <laughs> uh, noted that, uh, noting that it idled quietly, but was not capable of very high revolutions per minute. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, it produced uh, 60 horsepower at 4,400 RPMs and 80 pound-feet of torque at 2600 rpms uh which i believe we can all agree is not that great matt would you say that's great (laughs) i want to see how long you would let the pause go (laughs) dead air matt dead air matt (laughs) i'm sure it was fine for the time i mean you know you had cars that uh I mean, you know, the Honda 3 only made 85 horsepower and 90 pound-feet of torque, so it wasn't like they were that far behind the times. And that was a carbureted engine as well. Um, that was a, a transverse four-cylinder, so at least you had more more driveline efficiency. But um, so, and then it wasn't uh, much long after that in '66, uh, the very first uh, Corolla was built. And I don't know if that's it came to the U.S. right away, but. Um, the Corolla has been in production since 66 and in 74 became the best-selling car in the world. Yep. Of a specific model. And in fact, um, although VW 
real quick, real quick, jumping forward a lot. Although VW and Toyota have been changing, have been trading back and forth as to who makes the most cars per year for the manufacturer or for the, yeah, as Toyota by far makes the most cars under one nameplate and it's not even close. Yes. Yeah. So the Corolla actually surpassed uh, the Volkswagen Beetle, I believe, in 2012 13. Yeah. Yeah. Around there. As, as, as a best selling car in world history or the most, yeah. most manufactured car. Well, in world well, well the, most, the most sold nameplate. Yes. Um, technically, yes, that's the, Vol- the, the Volkswagen still holds. Uh, the record for uh, the most sold of one body style. Uh, yeah. Corolla has been redone completely. Although, I mean, you know, that's it. anyways. Yeah. But yes. Well, yeah, uh, because, because the Japanese aren't as lazy as the Germans are when it comes to remaking a car. Um, <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> um, up, Beetle. Um, so, uh, let's see. So we're getting the mid fifties. Okay. So the crown, describe how the crown was received by the American public because it wasn't all glitz and glamour. Well, no, I mean, you have to understand that. I mean, I mean, if, if this is 1950, what I say? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. So 1958. So your it's 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 kind of a because you still got there's a there's a whole generation of people who fought in the Pacific theater um, during World War two and 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 even though they didn't even though they didn't make it, they 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 ended up losing the war. Um, the Japanese fought with a ferocity um, not seen by a lot of people, even in the German or, or e- even in the European theater. Um, there were many 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 less. Wow, yeah, I, English, yeah. Good language. Um, anyways, they were there were much fewer percentage-wise um, uh, prisoners of war uh, Japanese than there were German by far, um, and that's because of the ferocity. And the reason why I bring that up is is that say you were in your early twenties. And you were in the military in the and you, you were a marine in in World War II fighting in the Pacific and barely ten years later they now have an automobile that they're selling in the United States. So there was twenty unf- well, fifteen to twenty years later, really. Yeah. So even so. But that's the main buying class. That's that's the main purchasers of automobiles at that time. Because if you were 20, you know, at the time of World War II, right. you're in, in the 30s. 40s. Yeah, like, exactly. 40s, by the time this comes to market, and 
there's a lot of deep-seated animosity. Well, it's, it's, it's explained really, really well in the TV show Mad Men, um, which takes place in the early to mid-60s. And they talk about um, how this, this new startup, well, yeah, this brand new company, Honda, out of wanted, wanted to uh, sign up this, this ad firm that the, you know, the story takes place in to, um, to, to do the advertising. And they were all on board with it. Honda was going to give them a whole boatload of money to do this ad to get their cars out in the U.S. For the very first time, they had no foothold. And one of the managing partners said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We, I did not fight you know, alongside my brothers and watch them lose their lives to then have these, you know, to then promote a product that these same Japanese people are now trying to make. I'm not good. Not going to. And they lost the, they lost the account. Yeah. Now, one of the things that did help uh, Toyota's kind of uh, outlook and stuff like that was during the, uh, during the Korean war, um, because the Korean Peninsula was, it, it was very, it was very difficult to drive American-made, um, you know, heavy uh, heavy trucks and stuff like that into this environment um, that was really designed for, you know, uh, wagon roads and stuff like that, and so a lot of the uh, and and a lot of the stuff from the the korean war was just left over and repurposed stuff from world war ii i mean in reality and so toyota actually produced about uh about eight thousand trucks for the u.s military for the korean war and actually it helped save toyota because they were they were on the verge of bankruptcy um you know, in the mid fifties and, and it was actually that particular boost of cash, which kind of helped them. And that's why they introduced, they, they then felt they could introduce the crown. Now it wouldn't be until the 1970s that, uh, uh, that Toyota would, really kind of gain a foothold in the United States as far as an actual car company, along with Honda, along with Nissan, um, along with Datsun. Um, and, and that was really because uh, the, uh, the emissions um, st- uh, standards that came along and also um, the fact that you had uh, the oil crisis at the exact same time. So all of a sudden, you know, that what was the sixties, which was, you know, light them up and burn them all because all of a sudden became, you know, conserve it and sip it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was a massive change and and it's, it's, it's fair to say that that was a huge part of what enabled these companies to get going and keep going. Right, because if it wasn't for that, they probably would have stayed at these small domestic Japanese, maybe European, you know, type manufacturers making cute little econo boxes that you know Americans scoffed at. But you yeah. know, when you're but when you're a Cadillac Eldorado two or whatever, I'm making up a name, you know, is getting four to eight miles a gallon and 
all of a sudden you've got this, you know, cute little Corolla or even what is it, the Corona, I think was out at the same time. Wasn't that a Yeah, so so really the the the, the Corona replaced the crown. Okay, right. Another um, word for crown. The, the the Corona was a, a smaller version and stuff like that. The crown was later just kind of discontinued because it was the quote unquote full size. And then the Corona came out. My dad actually had a, a an 81 Corona station wagon, uh, which was just a really nice car. I mean, the, there's, there's two things that really kind of helped Toyota establish itself. Um, during the uh, during the '60s and into the '70s, and 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 then you know and into the '80s and stuff like that, because during the '60s, especially in, in Japan, it was really a battle between Toyota and Nissan. Uh, Honda was kind of this outlier in the background. We'll get to Honda later on. Um, but but it was really between uh, Toyota and Nissan. And, uh, and Toyota was able to, uh, you know, through, uh, you know, Kichiro, um, was able to establish themselves as, how do I put this, um, was able to establish themselves as the main, the, 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 the main one. The, right, the, the the brand to buy yeah exactly so the, the yeah the, the brand to buy and stuff like that um and that's really because of one of the biggest things that toyota introduced um to just manufacturing itself which has been really um which is which has been emulated um, and one of that is just in time production, um, their, their inclusion of just in time production, uh, which means that coordinating everything so that you don't have, cause how it used to be is, is you had this huge stack of doors, this huge stack of hoods. This, so, so, so the amount of space that had to be devoted to storage right next to the assembly line uh, really limited the amount of space that you could have for assembly lines. So you couldn't your your amount of production was was really kind of uh, was really kind of reduced, um, and it was because of Toyota's need to really shrink their um uh with their overhead shrink their workforce well no because during the 60s they almost went out of business again um and uh and they had to shrink their workforce they had to really kind of go lean and so they figured out how to produce lean and that and that developed the just-in-time production, which means as the car is coming down, a door is being delivered to you. Boom! You throw on all the doors. It goes to the next section, and the uh, you know and and the the hood is being delivered to the production line as the car is coming through. 
So it's it's you so so everything's kind of being loaded onto the assembly line as the cars are moving through as the cars need them, um, and that is it, it. It's one. It speeds everything up. It allows you to produce more within the factory itself. Uh, you also need less people to run everything. Um, so it's it, just in time production is um, is it's one of those uh, it, it's one of those innovations that just pushed everything forward. It's like a second stage of of, of a rocket booster, which just kind of you've got the first stage which launches it up, and then the second stage which just 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 pushes it further into the atmosphere. And uh, and and just in time production really did that for just about everybody. The other big thing that Toyota did that was really really innovative was that they gave their workers on the assembly line total freedom to create whatever it was that they needed at their station to help themselves do their job more comfortably yeah. and more efficiently. So you had guys, for example, who maybe were bolting hinges onto doors, who might have this this sling mounted to the ceiling on his right that they actually laid yeah. on um that covered their their chest and through their uh the uh their upper legs yeah so they could be comfortable you know and hold the gun that way and they wouldn't have the you know the joint pain and the aches and the days off and everything that you might have say at the ford factory um, yeah but but beyond that it's really sort of the you know the japanese-ness and this is something we hadn't brought up before but it will come up again i'm sure which is the old saying of uh the japanese engineer cars the americans just build them yeah but there's a really attitude toward the car you know that good enough is never good enough you know only perfect is good enough uh, and it really well, shows in that <clears throat> yeah and, and and that does kind of come through um it, it it's it's kind of a cultural thing absolutely um um but also it's uh it kind of shows a you know, because most of most of American production, especially in like the '60s and '70s and '80s, is a uh, is just a modification of the processes that Henry Ford put into place. And we've already talked about Henry Ford and how he was just a taskmaster. I mean, he he demanded hard work above everything. And as, as opposed to, you know, innovation and stuff like that. So, so he was much more into controlling people as opposed to leading people. Um, whereas the Toyoda family and just Japanese culture in itself, there's this, um, you know, th there's this entire sense of that the person is the process. Right. There, there's, there's much more sense of pride in a product well done exactly you know pride in the yeah. work itself you know that the, there's there's almost a craftsmanship even on a basic builder level um you know that you just don't yeah. see elsewhere um well, and, and, and i think we can make a correlation between you know that that the japanese put the japanese put as much um as much emphasis and uh and and effort into making something good as the Italians make 
into making something look good yeah and feel good no, absolutely yeah so yeah that's that's very true um so let's go ahead and get into it now so i mean you really saw in the mid-70s you saw the rise of toyota and jap and the japanese in general right and then yes that that continued right as the uh, i mean when when gasoline hit a dollar a gallon in the early 80s and you know the entire country threw a fit um that certainly didn't slow down production i mean the the thing that saved chrysler as we talked about the other day was essentially uh lee Ikoka came in and basically built that american version of a japanese car um you know he was essentially emulating and he was doing an american style camry or accord or you know pick your pick your sedan um and that's what saved the company transverse four cylinder you know four speed stick or three speed automatic solidly made Toyota was un, un, until the until the inclusion of the uh, of the Corolla and then later the Tercel, which is basically just, in my own personal opinion, just a version of the Corolla, just a smaller thing. Um, but they, they 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 really tried to stay with a a, a, a transverse engine with a the prop shaft kind of design. Um, but yeah, I mean. It it just it just works, it it just works. It was um, you know, yeah. it's it's interesting. You know, I mean, the the everything went really well in the eighties, and then of course the nineties boom. We'll talk about it in a minute, but it's it's really interesting. I mean, you saw there's a lot of parallels going on in the Japanese market um, at the time. You know, where one boxy sedan looked like another boxy sedan. And one yeah. boxy hatchback, look at another boxy hatchback. You know, the differences were the size and the badge on the outside and maybe the paint color. Um, and then things started to slowly differentiate themselves. And, and um, you mentioned a minute ago, yeah, the, the early Corolla, Corollas were rear-wheel drive. And then when Toyota obviously saw the advantages in packaging and efficiency um, of and durability, frankly, of making it a front-wheel drive, they switched. And it's been that way ever since. Yeah. And the rest of the industry said, ooh, that is a good idea. Let's do that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and I think that... <clears throat> uh, um, what am I trying to say? Um, well, I mean, and, and, and that's really kind of the if you really want to kind of point to a person who really kind of pushed everything into the future, who really led um, the globalization, the true globalization of Toyota, um, that would be Sochi Chihiro Toyota. Cause he came in, um, you know, within the eighties, <clears throat> and then he was chairman all the way through 99. And so through, through the mid eighties and into the nineties, it was his baby, um, which also included the founding of Lexus, uh, which, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just, it was the innovation it was uh the the switching to a, a front wheel drive uh front engine front wheel drive 
like to point out, Mini Cooper had been doing it for years and years and years. Um, right, but nobody cared because it was British and fell apart. Yeah, I mean, some somewhat, but but the biggest thing was it was it was the manufacturing and and the ability to produce a good quality automobile at or lower the cost that the Americans were doing. And they were doing it sometimes on American soil. Um, you know, let, 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 let us not forget that the factory that, um, that Tesla sits in today in Fremont at California was from the early 80s a, a co-founded factory between Toyota and General Motors. You know. Yes, it was. It was. It, the, the important thing is, it is. It is co-founded. It was the first foot in, uh, sort of first toe in the water, so to speak. But um, yeah. Toyota was not the first company, and we'll talk about this next week. Was not the first company to have a fully owned automotive factory, foreign automotive factory. Um, no, no. That happened that, that, in 1983 in Marysville, Ohio. But um, yep. that'll be yeah. for next week. But um, but the uh, the Lexus thing is interesting because. It's, it's one of the few times that I think you can reasonably point to Toyota as being, as looking at the American market and following somebody else. Being Acura, right? Because they yeah. were the first Japanese company to, to come up with a luxury brand. Now, it's very clear, history has borne out that, that Toyota did it a lot better. Um, but the yeah. big reason that Toyota doesn't have a Lexus brand in Japan is because the Japanese expect such a high level of service anyway that essentially they just took the they took the Toyota of Japan customer service model and made it the Lexus service in the U.S. and it was yeah. up for Americans. Um, well, I mean, even yeah, I mean, and even though Acura was first, I I think we can say with a surety that Lexus, and I, I think we can talk a little bit about Lexus now. Yeah. Uh, Lexus is by far the, the, uh, the standard of, of Japanese luxury sedans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, Lexus is, you know, I mean, not, not only sedans, but also, um, you know, uh, SUVs and stuff like that. I mean, I, to this day still say, that the 05 to 06 Lexus LS430 is the best, not the nicest, not the most extravagant, not you know, you know the the most powerful or anything, but the best luxury car ever made. I think that's a good point. A good, you know, there's a good argument for that for sure. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you said to me, hey, you know, here's let's let's be generous. Well, let's call it thirty grand, um, and you have to buy a used used sedan. I'm going to take a good hard look at that LS430 before I look at anything else. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Absolutely. Uh, and 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 it's not just because I'm a weirdo and really want a CD player and a cassette deck in the same car. Yeah, that's weird. That that yeah. that, that is definitely I, weird. That. I know. Um. So, but let's let's talk about the LS for a second because that was inarguably the car that launched the Lexus brand. That was the LS series, LS400 to begin with the one UZ mm -hmm. engine which is the same engine block, whether you get a 400, a 430, or a 460. That was the car in the commercial with the stack of champagne glasses with the engine yeah. running, high RPM, 
to talk about how smooth this thing is and, and how oh, yeah. classy it is. The the 4.0 liter V8, and then later the uh, the the 4.3 liter V8. Mm-hmm. Hence the 430s. So smooth, so smooth. It's it's just an amazing amazing engine. Amazing. Well, you know, I mean, look look at the smoking tire. I mean, you know, Matt Farah was the fourth owner of an LS400, and he drove it to a to a million miles. Yeah. And the engine was never opened, and the transmission was rebuilt twice. But he just say one of those rebuilds was because the guy who bought it from had had virtually um, just you know bricked the transmission on his own. So, but a million miles, and it wasn't until the car hit nine hundred ninety thousand that the Lexus people were like, "Hey, can we go ahead and do a promo with this?" Matt says, "I've been trying to get in touch with you guys for three years, and you ignored <laughs> me." Now I don't have time. And uh, what's cool is it's a digital odometer, and it's permanently stuck at nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Well, yeah, because it's not going to roll over. For it wasn't designed to roll over from there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so it's pretty cool. But I mean, but but, but, but that's, that's Toyota. Does, I mean, they have you know you, you have the R, um, you know the the R line of the engines, um, you know you have the. Um, you know the, the the V8s that they made for the Lexuses, um, but I mean they have a history of just making really good, solid engine platforms. Um, oh yeah, well the the two JZ. I'm, I'm looking at on. that right now. Actually, I was just about to. You jumped ahead of me, Mister Matt. Yeah, I mean <laughs> the 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 third generation. Um, sorry the the the, the fourth generation. Toyota Supra with I mean I mean the the 2JZ is just an insanely good engine. They the, you have people cuz normally what happens is and I'm I'm going to get a little technical and and I'll try to be better. So normally when when you increase the power of an engine on on you basically got two parts of an engine you have the upper part which is where all of the uh all the power production happens so the intake the exhaust um you know all of the all the different strokes the compression stroke the power stroke all of that type of thing so that's all the power production and then you have the power harnessing so taking all of that power production and then churning it into actual physical power and moving, you know, physical energy and then moving that through to the transmission and then out to the wheels. So whenever you increase the amount of power production on the top end, your bottom end has to be able to, to take that, uh, to, to, to take that amount of, of power being produced and harnessing it into the actual physical energy. So a lot of times when you take um, a, an engine like, you know, like, like the two JZs, I mean, uh, they were at their, at their highest, they were producing from the factory 326 horsepower, which is a lot. Let's not, 
let's you know that that, that right. is this quite... is this is the 90s this is this is 90s power so that's a lot exactly yeah um but your people are able to reliably increase that by another 300 horsepower without doing anything to the bottom end and why is that zach because the thing was just built like an old battleship <laughs> the bottom end so, okay so here's <laughs> a little more nerdiness just for a minute okay what they did okay. was well, it was, a, it, was it was a cast iron block in a closed yep. deck yes so essentially what you had is with a lot of engines and you need a visual on this you really need to get this is this is worthy of the google search uh folks but um where you have holes punched cylinders essentially uh, is you can do it one of two ways where you can either have room for air gaps essentially for lightweight and for cooling and, and all that kind of the kind of stuff or you can close it off entirely where essentially it looks like where essentially it's one big metal piece aluminum or or cast iron typically yeah holes punched in it where the cylinders go in and the second one is the one that that toyota used so what happens is as long as you can find a way to cool it and there are ways out there you had guys who took the who took a 2jz either naturally aspirated three liter inline six or the two sequential turbo three liter inline six and would put one turbo on it and break up to a thousand horsepower Oh yeah, and I've seen them. I've I have seen those those thousand horsepower monster. And one, it's the, it's one of the coolest looking cars. Oh yeah, it's a great I, looking car. I mean, I mean, just, just 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 from a visual visual presence. That screams nineties, but in the best possible way. It, exactly, yeah. It screams nineties in. Um, yeah, I was gonna make a music reference, but then I realized that I'm not a musical person, and I and I and I couldn't do it. So, but it's no the 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 fourth gen, the the or the Mark Mark Four as it sometimes is called the Mark Four Super is, is is something else. And we do we want to get into the new Super? Is it time for that? No, 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 no. Because I want to get into. So there's there's one thing that that Toyota has going for it and 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 we can use this as a transition into uh the um the 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 new super if you want to um there's one thing that toyota has going for it that no other japanese automotive manufacturer can really do um all of them can make good vehicles all of them can make good quality vehicles but none of them other than Toyota can make cool cars I'm going to let that just kind of float out there and listen to the shouts of all the other allegiances but you have to ask yourself which automotive manuf- which Japanese automotive manufacturer is in NASCAR has had the guts to jump into that particular circle and 
has the racing pedigree that Toyota has been able to build up over the years and done it without motorcycles. So when you're saying, okay, because obviously Nissan used to make cool cars. Eh. Come on, the 240Z, it's a 300ZX, the 280Z. No. no. Yes. First off, that was Datsun. It's a whole different company. No, it's not. Datsun was purchased by Nissan. We'll get into this at a later time. But you have the the 280Z, which was the last cool Z. Um, yeah. Some would argue that get that far that it didn't make it past the 240 i personally think the 280z the 300 was um it looked cool but mechanically it was not very good then they went into this 300 twin turbo which was just an an absolute heat soaking you know it's just disaster um and then Toyota just or uh, Nissan, yeah, they no. I what, Skyline. I'll, I'll no because the it didn't Skyline, come to the U.S. Yeah, because it didn't come to the U.S. And what about the GTR R35? Uh, yeah. What about it? We'll, it's, we'll get into this with Nissan. Okay, we'll we'll save this for our whole thing with Nissan. Okay, fair that's enough. Okay, cool. okay. So, anyway, but Toyota has the strongest strongest history of making of making cool Japanese cars. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. not the only Japanese cars, but the strongest history. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'm with you on that point. I'll, I won't argue any further. Okay, so. But I mean, they're when they came out with. So first off, you you have you have you have Toyota's Toyota's truck history of of you know their 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 history of making trucks for the militaries um, throughout the years. Uh, their their Toyota Hilux is legendary. <laughs> Top Gear. Um, Top Gear tried to kill it in several different very crazy ways um it's it's weirdly enough of all the cars on my wife's um want list a toyota hilux diesel is on that list because of that episode because of those two episodes of top gear um and, and 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 toyota has just uh you know moved that in uh, the Tacoma is, you know, it, it's still one of the most versatile and sought after um, vehicles. Uh, it's the only vehicle that I know of that I've actually seen on sale used more than it was brand new. Mm-hmm. It happens. Um, it has, um, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, um, but you know, getting into like residual values for leases, I believe the Toyota Tacoma is up in the seventy percent. 
uh, average is about 75%, same as the Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. Yeah, tied for number I one mean, in the country. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. That's just crazy insane. Yeah, it's, 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 oh. it's pretty nuts. Um, you know, if you, okay, the other thing too is if you go like the Overland folks, right? These, these um, you know, not a single manufacturer, but just these, these Overland off roady folks, they say that 90% of the vehicles out there are either a Wrangler or a Forerunner. Wrangler or Forerunner or um, the Land Cruiser. Let us not the old FJ40. That thing was oh. an insane beast. Land Cruisers still are still pretty insane. The price has gotten insane too. But um, this is a great time actually for that. And I don't think I brought this up before, but um, it may have the joke about in uh, in the African bush. <laughs> sure. yes. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. You, you, you can go out to the bush in a, uh, in a, in a Land Rover but you're going to come back in a Land Cruiser. Yeah, because it's gone to go rescue you. You're... <laughs> That's what the locals are going to bring you back in. Oh, yep. my gosh. It's called the Del Prado because um, the, the, the U.S. Forerunner is called the Del Prado in another market. So if you're wondering yeah. what we're talking about, it's the same vehicle. Um, slightly, slight changes, but for all intents and purposes. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's just amazing. Um, you know, some of the stuff you see these vehicles going through and going over and under and with light modifications and coming back, you know, fit as a fiddle, ready to go at it again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and I do have to say that the, um, the, the Toyota Tundra, and we'll get into this in just a second, when the, when the Toyota Tundra came out, it really shook things up yeah because even though even though dodge dodge up the styling game as far as trucks go as far as full-size trucks go when it came to quality and ergonomics on the inside and comfort of the seats and so forth that was the tundra the tundra made that mark and then Toyota's huge, just sucky-filled balls of guts to go, you know what we're also going to do? Not only are we going to jump into this full-size truck game on the American, you know, on, on American soil, but they entered NASCAR truck series. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, well, and, and 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 the full size truck market, Toyota took them direct to the heart. They went to Texas. They have <laughs> Texas only versions of the of the Tundra, and I think there a factory in Texas. I think so. Yeah, I think there is. It's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, no. Tundra today obviously got a little long in the tooth and needs is in need of a severe redesign, which is coming. Well, but it's yeah, it's but but it's it's about five years out of five six years overdue. Oh, we'll to, absolutely, absolutely, we we'll agree with that. So here's here's kind of a, a thought experiment, and you have more of a automotive history mind than I do on this one, Zach. But Toyota makes the Forerunner, which I believe is the only midsize body on frame SUV sold in America new that is correct and um, they make the Sequoia which as far as I know is the only truly off-road capable full-size SUV 
on the road? Uh, is that? I mean, it off. Is that sort of splitting hairs? Well, off-road capable is, you know, it, it's it, it's kind of like jumbo shrimp. Okay, what exactly do you mean? Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, so it's like because and 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 I think I've said it before, but I'll go ahead and say it again and stuff. The whenever we use the term SUV, it's really this kind of all-encompassing term. Um, the reality is, is that everything, almost everything that we refer to as SUV is actually a crossover because a crossover is technically anything of that kind of style that is based on a car chassis that's a unibody frame. Right. So like the Pilot, the Highlander, the, you know, j- just about everything. So the, the only true SUV, the body on frame construction and so forth, is currently the Forerunner. And it's a heck of a vehicle. It's getting a redesign pretty soon too, which it desperately needs. But but oh it gosh, is yeah. it is a is a heck of I mean, you know, it's it's got an actual low range manual shifting transfer case. Now it also has an incredibly archaic five speed automatic transmission and a four liter V six that sucks gas like there's no tomorrow. But but yeah. these guys don't care, you know. Put a lift on it and modify a couple of things. Slap a skid plate on it, and you're good to go. Well, and 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 I think we now need to shift into um another thing, which I, I there's part of me that doesn't want to talk about this, that just screams I really don't want to talk about this, um, but there's part of me that understands that we. We have to, um, but I but I do think it's important. So, in 1999, Honda jumped out in front of everyone with the uh, with a hybrid vehicle with a with a gasoline electric hybrid vehicle, and that was the Insight, which was amazingly uh, efficient. I mean, there were people who were getting um, verified into the 70s in miles per gallon. But the thing was very small. It was a two-seater. And it looked a little weird. But that was fine. being, Being nice. Then Toyota took... Their, their their Toyota Echo, which was an odd looking car. There there was it, it, anytime you look at a Toyota Echo, there's there's proportions that just don't quite match up. And what Toyota did was is when they made the uh, the first generation Prius, they actually lengthened it out a little bit. And to me, it is even to this day the best looking Prius. Ever made? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, the first Absolutely. generation Prius. It's not even close. Yeah, and 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 you, but it had two things that the Honda didn't have. Uh, the first was a uh, a series hybrid drivetrain, um, which Honda was using its integrated motor assist, which is what's called a parallel hybrid system. 
Uh, integrated motor assist is essentially there's a engine that does most of the work and an electric motor that just kind of provides a little extra oomph. Um, and, and then, and, 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 and they kind of still, uh, you know, pushed it on and stuff like that. Um, but when they, it, it was 2004 when things just went ballistic. Um, in 2004, um, Toyota introduced the hybrid synergy drive. And that was, you had an electric motor that could drive the car, a gasoline engine that could drive the car, or they could both drive the car. And that was also when Toyota went to what is now, you know, which is now considered one of, you know, the, the most fuel efficient designs as far as aerodynamics go. And that is the, what's called the bird back design, uh, which kind of flows over the back of it and stuff. Um, uh, which is the shape that everybody knows the Prius as, as of today. And Honda. Right. I think it kind of looks like an egg, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's the most aerodynamic design possible. Yes. <clears throat> now say what you will, uh, because I know we just came from a section of that. We were talking about Toyota being the coolest automotive manufacturer. This is also the most uncool vehicle ever produced in the history of mankind. Um, my, my dislike for the Prius um, has nothing to do with its efficiency, uh, has nothing to do with its styling. It all has to do with the fact that it was basically created as a one hit wonder. Um, but what a hit it was. Um, it, it's, it's only function was to get the absolute most out of a gallon of gasoline. And it, it has been doing that with just flying colors. Uh, say so, what you want to about Toyota's dogmatic, uh, you know, keeping of a, uh, a nickel metal hydride battery for the most part. Uh, including lithium ion only in special circumstances. Um, but it, it, it did it. The, in, the insight uh, and, and one of the one of the biggest keys was the fact that Honda then created the, uh, the second generation insight, which looked remarkably like a Prius uh, with less gas mileage and it eventually killed that off. Um, and so, you know, you, you really have to, you know, and, and that same drivetrain, the hybrid, you know, the, the hybrid synergy drive, um, it, it is getting a little bit long in the tooth. Um, but they have integrated it into everything from, you know, through a bunch of different Lexus products nowadays to uh, some of their SUVs. And the biggest thing is, is that they know how to market themselves. 
Yeah, Toyota is one of the best marketing teams in the world, if not the best. Yeah. At least when it comes to Americans. Absolutely. So real quick, talking on hybrids just for a minute longer. Um, you, I, don't, Do I stumbled upon this recently. Uh, we, have, we have to. Okay. I stumbled upon this. Um, the term mild hybrid, which isn't thrown about as much anymore as it used to be, but it was kind of, it's, it's generally considered a derogatory term in the industry. Um, to describe a hybrid that's not, not as upper as efficient as I could or a hybrid where the, you know, the battery's small or however you want to sort of define it. But the mild hybrid term is actually, turns out, was made up by the Toyota marketing team specifically to disparage the IMA Honda system. Which it absolutely deserved. I mean, the, the IMA should have been delete it now now and we'll get into this you know later on but you know honda has now corrected that with the two motor hybrid system uh which is far advanced that's brilliant yeah it's 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 absolutely amazing um but yeah but i mean as 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 of late 2014 And, and, and that's not even including the last five years, five, you know, four or five years. Um, through Lexus and Toyota, they sold more than 7 million vehicles with the hybrid synergy drive. That's a lot of cars. And they've committed that by 2025, every single model Toyota offers will have a hybrid model option. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think I think most manufacturers have have kind of put that up there as as a goal, um, which I think is is it's just more efficient. And I have absolutely no problem with people making vehicles more efficient. Um, Oh, sure, I, sure. I, I, I would never poop a Porsche 918 for being a hybrid. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although it, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard to remember that it is because it's just. <laughs> sorry, that just it, it it reminded me of that. Uh, there was a uh, the Grand Tour, uh, where Richard had the uh, the Rimac, and they were doing the the three way drag race. Uh, between the uh, uh, the Lamborghini, the uh, the Acura, and the Remac, and they did a three-way drag race, and the Remac just absolutely left both of them in the dust. It was just amazing, just amazing. Anyways, but. Toyota does have a dark side. Um, and it's, I, I and I think it kind of comes from their, uh, their own ambition for being a, a large automotive manufacturer in production. Um, and, and we'll kind of get into in, in next week into a different way of thinking. Um, but 
in 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 the mid in the mid two thousands, right? Like 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 right during the uh the the the, the financial recession. Um, they they made a decision to kind of start producing things a little more. How do I put this? Quickly. Well, <laughs> their 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 lean production um, kind of mindset would come back to kind of haunt them a little bit because because it, it kind of yeah. went a little bit too far. Yeah. Um, and they started making their vehicles lean. Um, the I, I would say that the the Toyota Tacoma um, and the Toyota Tundra have both suffered from um, from lack of development. Um, I would say that definitely the Corolla until just recently um, was almost considered a joke. Well, yeah, until the 2020, really. Yeah. Um, the Prius has uh, has gotten a lot, especially from the Koreans, um, has really gotten their bell rung with uh, with the efficiencies and so forth. Um, and they've it, it almost appears, and I don't know if this is true. Um, so, so if anybody out there, Toyota, you can correct me on this. Um, but it's almost as if Toyota just kind of for about five, six years just kind of rested on their nameplates. So let me, let me go ahead and give you some specifics, if I may. This, this may Hopefully this will be interesting. So I sat in a couple of different... Tacomas, brand brand new ones. Okay, and I'm I'm six foot two. I have a long torso, but not not too freakishly long. And if I get in a Tacoma, first of all, I should back up. The driver's seat in the Tacoma, no matter what model you get, although I haven't sat in a limited, does not offer any height adjustment, does not offer any power seat, motorized seat adjustments um, of any kind, and the lumbar support is a wheel that you crank forward or back to make it turn on and turn off essentially right if i get in a tacoma with a moonroof i cannot put my head directly upright because my skull hits the ceiling of the car wow truck if i if you get rid of the moonroof i've got half an inch of clearance i have enough room between my top of my head and the ceiling that if i put my head on my hand on my head directly my knuckles are scraping through the ceiling right so it's like half an inch of headroom um now they're going to correct that with the refresh for 2020 and they're going to put a power seat in. But if you don't make the cab any taller, what's the point? So you can have people who are five feet tall be able to see over the, over the steering wheel. The steering wheel tilts and telescopes in the Tacoma, but only telescopes two inches, maybe three at the most. It's got virtually no room at all. So a guy my size who gets in it, I get the seat back far enough that I'm comfortable. And then I, my arms can barely reach the steering wheel. Um, in, a, uh, in a Corolla, um, 
there is no blind spot monitor option, which is, I guess, fine because it's a compact. But um, two out of the four models, this is the 2019 I'm talking about here. The two out of the four models have have drum brakes in the rear. Um, they uh, they all have a really remarkably bad CVT with a remarkably weak engine. Uh, the let's see, you have to go all the way to the top of the line. I think it's called XLE just to get a power driver seat. Um, there's no leather option, only synthetic leather. To get the Prius with a power driver seat, you have to spend at least $32,000. Everything below that has a manual seat. That's expensive uh, for a Prius. Yeah, considering they start at 26. Um, well, yeah, and, and that's not to mention even you know the Yaris, which... Oh, God. I mean... I mean, and 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 it's, and and Toyota is correcting it. They 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 are making corrections. They are kind of writing the course. Can I get real quick? Can I tell you the news release just came out? How they're correcting the Yaris? How are they correcting the Yaris? <laughs> they stopped building it. They're rebadging the Mazda two as a Yaris, both the hatchback and uh, the sedan. Uh, <laughs> Toyota's getting out of the manufacturer entirely. They're literally putting Toyota badges in it. They're leaving all the Mazda infotainment in it. Transmission, interior, suspension, you name it. It's all Mazda. Now the Yaris hatch, the Yaris, sorry, the Yaris sedan, which used to be called the Yaris IA, uh, which was a Scion product, uh, which was what's called the Scion IA, that has always been a Mazda 2 as far as my knowledge goes back, which I, yeah. is not perfect. But but the Yaris hatchback of Toyota Origins is gone. It's now the Yaris hatchback, which is the Mazda 2 hatchback, now that Mazda no longer sells the Mazda 2 in the U.S. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways. Yeah, I guess, I, guess, I, guess, I guess that's one way to do it. Um, yeah. You get your quality control together for sure. Yeah. Well, and then, and, and, and I guess we can kind of you know, go, go into, you know, one of my biggest problems with, with, with kind of the, 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 the choices that Toyota has made. Um, one of which is, and, and Matt and I have, Matt and I have already discussed this, um, but that is the, the new, the brand new Supra that just came out. You mean the BMW Z4? <sighs> yes. And, and even though I know it's going to be an absolutely wonderful driving vehicle. Yeah, I don't want to drive it. It should be great. I, I mean... It looks the business. It absolutely... It looks the business. It, it, it's... It's going to be fast. It's going to handle well. It's going to be fantastic. And the entire time, I'm going to be thinking to myself, wow, this is a really nice, inexpensive BMW Z4. And that's just so sad that Toyota couldn't, with the history that they have of building rock-solid drivetrains, um, you know, and rock solid inline, inline sixes, inline four cylinders. You know, 
that that they couldn't build their own drivetrain, that they decided to farm it out to you know to BMW. Yeah, because they want to bring the car in at sixty grand and not eighty grand. You know what? If you had made it at eighty grand, I think people would have bought them. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, probably they probably would have. So, I mean, I'm I'm not as dogmatic as Zach is on this point, but here's just looking at it on paper. It was, what's shocking to me, honestly, is that once you take away the price, it's amazing to me how close. I'm not amazed by how close the Supra and the Z4 are. That's pretty obvious, right? I'm talking about yeah. things like, you know, 0 to 60, and, and but also like internal quality of components. And, and oh, the Supra, by the way, just got its uh, EPA rating. It's a 26 combined, which is pretty impressive for 300 and something horsepower. That is. Um, that is very impressive. It's amazing how well it matches up with a Cayman. Yeah. The, the Cayman and the Z4 come in, which is so probably means the Boxster as well, because might as well include that. But they yeah. all come in at, they're within a tenth or two of each other, all three of them, with, or four, I guess, technically, within a tenth or two, zero to 60. They're all, you know, reasonably specced about the same level. The only difference is the Super comes in 20 grand less than any of the other three. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I, I know it's going to be it's going to be huge value for money. It's I mean, it's going to be, you know, performance wise, it's going to be really good and stuff. But it's just it's not a Toyota. And that's the problem. They'll be badging on it. And I'm sure there'll be a couple of ergonomic tweaks and stuff like that and interior design and everything. But the overall vehicle itself is not a Toyota product. And it's just, no, it's not. you know, it, it's, you know, and, and it's just, it's just, it's sad. Um, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm optimistic um, that, that Toyota can kind of write itself, that they can kind of shift their focus um, to, you know, to producing it. They're still doing cool things. Uh, this, you know, the 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 Z four slash Supra, it is a cool car. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, oh yeah. The 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 Toyota Tacoma, for all of its many faults, still a cool truck. It, it I I I saw a, a Toyota Tacoma. Uh, uh, TRD Off-Road Pro the other day and I just remember exist, going what's up? It doesn't exist, but TRD Off-Road, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. sorry, TRD Off-Road because the, 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 the TRD Off-Road Pro is the Tundra, correct? No, that's still a TRD Off-Road. Um, but I think there may be a model called a Pro to be, to be fair to you. Um, that was made a while back, but it's not in the current lineup, so Okay. It's probably a previous generation, but please continue. Yeah. But anyways, but it, it, it was it was a TRD. It was it was yeah. a Toyota Tacoma. It was a TRD, and I just remember going, man, I, you know, I, I just, I, it's I, a great I, I, 
oh my it's every time i see it i just kind of think you know that's what rambo would drive the thing that boggles my mind is um and and i'm i'm not a as you might have guessed not a truck guy by any means but the fact that you can go you go to the tacoma webs tacoma portion of the website right and you can go four cylinder or v6 the gas mileage is is almost the same it's just a matter of the power and the uh cost right then once you pick your engine, then you can go access cap, which has the two rear suicide doors and seats for midgets, um, which is with a six foot bed, or you can get a double cap with a five foot bed or a six foot bed. Then you decide whether you want a, an automatic transmission or a manual. You decide whether you want rear wheel drive or four wheel drive. Then you decide what trim level you want. <laughs> SR, SR5, TRD Sport, TRD Pro, Limited. TRD off-road. Yeah. It, it, and, and then you pick your color. And then there's sometimes interior color choices on top of that. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure the F-150 is similar, but the F-150 has so much more tradition behind it. They have so much more, you know, this cab and that cab and, you know, and, and these, you know, and, and these beds, but, but the F-150 is sort of like its own Byzantine little, you know, empire but but the fact that that (laughs) all this stuff is is just astounding you know you can get lost in there if you don't know what you're doing yeah oh no and it's and the fact that it's still available in a stick shift i mean come on that's just and i've driven one (sighs) and it it's like a truck stick shift yeah yeah i mean you know so but i mean I mean, I mean, things look really good. They, they've, I think they've gotten their bell rung a little bit, um, with they, you know, you know, they, they're still selling vehicles hand over fist. Um, oh, yeah. but I, I, I think they've, I think the one, the, the one Toyota that gives me the most hope, uh, for, for them to kind of. That, that they can get back on track with everything. Um, I think the one vehicle that kind of gives you that is the, the new RAV4, which is light years ahead of where it was. Oh, God, yes. Just leaps forward into from what it used to be more so than the Camry, more so than the Corolla. Uh, even even though I haven't driven the, the new Corolla, I've just kind of seen stuff on everything like that. But the 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 leap forward um, of the of of the Rav Four gives me hope that 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 Toyota can write itself. That they can refocus and make the kind of quality product and so forth um, that 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 we're all used to them making. The, the thing that astounds me most about the Rav Four, and I'm not a Rav Four fan by any means, but it, it it's it, the fact that you notice one on the road at all. The fact that it looks different from everything else and in a good way is pretty amazing. But on top of that, the hybrid. Every hybrid model comes in somewhere in the thirty thousand dollar spec. 
Yeah. They're 220 horsepower at 40 miles per gallon average. Which is which is amazing. 41 which is absolutely It's incredible. You know, and you can get incredible stuff. You can get on a Rav4 on a Rav4 2019 model, you can get a camera for the back that so if your um, your back cargo area is full of stuff, you just flip a little lever and then it turns your rear view mirror into a camera. Um, you know, you can get heated second row seats, ventilated front seats. There are major manufacturers yeah. don't offer anything like that. No, you're gonna pay for them. Yeah. Get it wrong, but but they're out there. It's yeah. it's it's pretty cool. Now they yeah. figure out how to get Android Auto in all their cars to try to really have something. <sighs> well, hey, they have uh, you know Amazon Alexa. However, helpful that is. Right. I mean, I no, that's, I think that's in like three, four, maybe five models at the most. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me. It it's almost like that's the new version of Aha. Oh God! Unfortunately, I do. Oh geez. So, anyways, oh, it's, we've we've gone on a little longer than usual, but um, yep. uh, we will see but you guys I, next week for another Japanese manufacturer. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I I think we're good to go. Vroom vroom, Matt. All right. Have a night.